It's Mental Health Awareness Month at the CXM Experience. That's right, it's Monday. I'm Grad Khan, CXO, Chief Experience Officer at Sprinkler. And as always, I'm here with Neha, the Breath Yogi. And we're here to talk about mental health today. Uh, and we will be talking about mental health all through the month of May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. So, Neha, welcome. Thank you, Grad. How are you doing? How was your week? I'm good. I I was shocked <laughs> at uh, how quickly last week went. I don't know. Really? Uh, it's been good. It's a good busy. There's lots mm-hmm. going on. There's certainly uh, it's an amazing time for digital transformation and customer experience management. Every single company in the world is is changing the way they work. Every single company in the world is thinking about how they work with their customers, land great experiences. It's a great time to be at Sprinkler. I feel so privileged and so lucky to be here at this time. It's amazing. And uh, I'm also privileged and lucky to be with you here today because I always get something out of these sessions. I always feel like you're slowly turning these things into a gentle psychoanalysis of me. (laughs) (laughs) It's like my free therapy session every week. (laughs) No, I I love chatting with you. I'm on to you. I know what you're doing here. (laughs) No, I love chatting with you. And I I love that you've created this platform, you know, and I'm sure it's going to grow where we can come and chat about these things. And actually talking about digital transformation, I think it is also playing a huge role in making mental health more accessible. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, to, actually. More accessible, but also potentially more necessary. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah. It's, it's, making, it's yeah. making its own market. It's very yeah. interesting. It's because there's no question in my mind that mm-hmm. people are stressed in ways they weren't stressed before. That you're missing that casual ability to sit on a friend's desk yeah. and just say, Dude, you know, it's just that that yeah. sort of moment of, and, mm-hmm. and the other person looks at you and they go, dude. And then you're like, dude. And he's like, dude. And you're like, dude. And he's like, dude. And you're like, thanks, man. That was cool. See you later. And then you're done. That's exactly what I needed, dude. <laughs> That's all we need sometimes, you know, That's just a all. bit of back and yeah. forth. But, but yeah. that back and forth is missing. And it, it almost feels, I was having a, a bit of a heart to heart conversation with a colleague today. Mm-hmm. And I could tell he was a little uncomfortable. And he actually sent me a GIF that represented the situation he was in. And it's it's like just it's kind of a it's a hilarious GIF and it was really well it was really well done. I'm not gonna say what it is. Wow, I'm, it's, I'm it's, curious it's, now. Oh, no, it's, it's all, <laughs> we can do it offline. Okay. But what's interesting is that I would observe that people are a little bit uncomfortable sharing as much as they used to share with colleagues in video form or Zoom form or Google Meet form or Microsoft Teams form or oh, whatever other form there is. There are many other forms I know, <laughs> Blue Jeans form. Um, but there's a uh, sense of being on stage and being recorded and being very visible that mm. makes it a bit harder to have kind of these conversations versus I'm sitting with a friend over a beer in the dark corner of a bar. I feel very anonymous. I don't feel like anybody's listening to my conversation. I don't know if that's true or not, but certainly the feeling of being on stage is very different when you're on video Mm -hmm. than when you're in person. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And it's interesting because before the pandemic and before this whole lockdown situation, I would conduct, you know, facilitate workshops in person, right? And and when you invite participation from uh, the participants, like people who are sitting in the front, you know, you they get more attention or whatever, but mm. you're not to, throughout the course of the workshop, you're not able to see exactly what every person is doing. So one of the things now with platforms like Zoom is like, in one glance, I know exactly who's listening and who's not because mm. everybody, each one of them is on my screen. So you're right. Like everybody feels like they're on stage and that could be a factor because I'm sure you know this, like what's the number one fear people have more than the fear of death? Yeah, public presentation. Yeah. It's a yeah. great point, actually. I never thought, I never thought of that because I'm not yeah. super afraid of that. I sort of like presenting, but you're absolutely right. People are terrified of public presentation and they're forced into a nonstop 24-hour cycle <laughs> of public yeah. presentations. Wow, yeah. that's yeah. compelling. Yeah, huh. yeah. Now, a oh. lot is happening. A lot is happening. But there's also the good part of digital, right? Like, because of the lockdowns, at least there's a way to connect, you know? And right. w what we've seen is, at least the data is showing with the latest digital platforms, there's this, this hesitancy in going to a therapist's office, right? So, but now it's like on your phone. So it's become a little bit more accessible, but you're right. I think it may also be causing that, that we, you know, that human touch that is totally gone now for a while and it's more than any year people are now like it's kind of like building up it's a it's such a mixed bag so i'll give you a quick story so mm -hmm. one of my colleagues i've worked with her since i started at sprinkler um is in india and i just randomly sent her a note this morning saying hey are you okay and she wrote back saying her brother got COVID and now she's got it. Wow. Mm. And, and so I said, you know, is there any way I can help? She said, you know, we're okay. We're quarantining. We're going to, we're ride it out. I said, do you need food? You know, et cetera. Do you need a hospital? She says, oh my God, don't send me to a hospital. Yeah. And I'm good on food where you're, we're managing. But I have seen some of her posts and she, a lot of her posts are around avoiding negativity. The news, I can only imagine what the news cycle is like in India right now. But the news cycle in India apparently is burning a lot of people out on its own. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Extreme mm -hmm. negativity and some you know pretty horrible images. And I don't know how to offer her mental support beyond saying, are you okay? I think that is actually not terrible. But how do you say to someone, do you need mental health support? Mm -hmm. We're very good at offering physical help support. I mean, hospital, I can drive you somewhere, I can get you food, I can get you, you know, oxygen. Like those are things I can do. Um, but it's hard to say, let me be a mental crutch for you. How, how do you do that? I, think, I suspect you come into that a lot. Yeah. How do you and become people's mental crutch? So I wouldn't want to say, I don't see it as that. I don't want to become somebody's mental crunch. I, I, I want to empower them, right? Okay, and, fair. And there are a few aspects to this. The first one that I totally live by and believe in is there's no one solution for everyone. 
right? Like the way you respond and the way you might respond to something what works for you may not work for the may not work for me right so i don't i leave my notions at the door i have a few strategies so that's one thing and the second thing is i look at it as holistic health and now the good thing is that there's so much data there's so much scientific studies to kind of like point to that and So with leaders where I get a sense of okay this person may not be comfortable I take a neuroscience type of approach okay it's like hey now there's the latest and the greatest research in the field of neuroscience and leadership about how can you leverage the power of your brain to be more effective as a leader to be more effective as a manager as a person so if it's a person who's not like specially people in leadership associate there is the stigma there's this underlying stigma of associating if i have a mentally if i'm not feeling mentally well then i'm weak or i'm going to be judged for it and i think one way of approaching that is hey let's talk about how to how to make sure your brain is in a peak performance state and then you can educate them around that but to talk to you about the situation that your friend is in right i think it's important to acknowledge that hey you know i'm sure like how how are you feeling uh, it's okay i just want you to know that uh, you know it's it's something that all of us are experiencing i can't imagine what you're going through and then that sort of creates like a space for them to feel like you've normalized it right like you you want to hmm. make sure you come across as someone who doesn't see somebody who's having a mentally hard time as something that's not good this issue of normalizing mental health it's it's really tricky it's really tricky and uh let me talk about it for a second now I'll, i'll use my own experiences as a bit of an example and it'll be um maybe a maybe a negative one and maybe a positive one and it's interesting how we confront our own biases when we're dealing with mm. this kind of stuff so it was very popular and this may have been a seattle thing or i don't know if this is seattle or national or us or global but there was a, a for a while it was very popular to get or not popular but very accepted to get a tattoo that was a semicolon Have you ever seen a semicolon tattoo? Do you know what they mean? No, what do they oh, mean? Oh, interesting. I actually can teach you something. Wow. This is a bit of a, <laughs> Now you can teach a, me a lot. Now the tables are turned. Ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> I've never actually seen really? a semicolon tattoo, but well, I think you, you can teach have. me a lot. Of you just didn't know what you were looking at. So, oh, really? they're generally mm. on the they're on the wrist, on the inside of the wrist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember if there was a particular hand it was supposed to be on because sometimes these things even have a handedness to them but let's just say it doesn't matter it's on one of the inside wrists it was always on the inside wrist and I kind of feel like it's the left wrist because it was meant to be looked at and it would be if you were to hold your hand uh with the palm uh not parallel to the ground but perpendicular to the ground the mm-hmm. semicolon would be on the inside of your wrist and the dot would be at the top and the comma would be underneath that. So what it means is that actually uh, it was meant as a way of normalizing mental health. 
And what it means is that I have a, I've had a semicolon in my life. So mm. if you're familiar with a semicolon as a piece of punctuation, semicolon is a wonderful piece of punctuation because it's essentially a near full stop, but not a complete full stop in a sentence. So it would be something like, uh, my favorite movie is The Planet of the Apes. But it's not the only movie that I love. You know, something like that. And, uh, and so what it means in mental health terms is that the person wearing a semicolon has had some kind of mental health crisis and they've made it through and they're on the other side of the semicolon. And I thought it was a wonderful, actually, when I first heard about it, I loved it because it was what a wonderful way to sort of describe it. And my life's not ended. My story's still being written. Mm-hmm. I just had a bit of a half stop in the middle there and I'm okay. And the sentence continues. I was at a frequenting a business and uh, in the auto industry and, and I was talking to the person who was helping me and I looked down and I saw a semicolon on her wrist and it was interesting how I instinctively put my guard up because I was, I instinctively reacted with, Oh, you know, this person's a little crazy. Mm. and crazy enough to like put it on their wrist <laughs> permanently. It's like it's a permanent tattoo. And then I caught myself doing that. It was, in, it was like instantaneous. I didn't even, it wasn't even a filtered thought. It's just a thought too, by the way. I didn't say anything out loud or at all. Like it was never inappropriate. But because, um, you know, you, sometimes you know, we've talked about this before. You can control your actions. That's usually the easiest thing to do. You can control your um uh, reactions and comments, and you can control your thoughts. Controlling your thoughts is very hard, um, but controlling how you react to them is not. So I am you know, very much in control, but I did find myself, I found myself arguing with myself. And I, hey, what was that? Where did yeah, that come from? Yeah. And that, that's, and that is what people are afraid of. Um, people don't want other people to know mm. that they're seeing a therapist or that, they need help or that, you know, mental health is an issue they've got to struggle with. This idea of training your brain, you know, that's 12 pounds, right? And, you know, I'd get that 12 pounds in t- top physical shape. It's not something people are generally comfortable with. Mm. And they're afraid, legitimately afraid, that they'll be, they'll bias other people towards them. Because people will think, wow, that person's unstable or not able to handle things or overwhelmed. And there's a lot of, I think what would help a lot is if more people in leadership positions talked about it more mm-hmm. and were more open with what, and I, I get that people don't necessarily want to talk about their mental health struggles. That's cool. I mean, some of them are pretty ugly and not everyone wants to get into that. Mm-hmm. So I understand that. But that you're seeing a therapist or that you believe in therapy or that you're, those are actually, I think, very positive things to share with people and can make people feel that if you're telling that story, then it's okay for them to tell that story. But I do ultimately think it is a leadership comment. Yeah, no, I, first of all, I think kudos to you for having such high level of awareness, you know, catching yourself in the moment. What you talked about was like some deep unconscious bias that just sort of kicked in without you being even conscious about it. So great awareness there. And then also, you know, for sharing this on a public platform. So as a leader, uh, you know, oh, speaking, wait a second, this is public. 
Yes, this is public. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is very public. It's getting really public these days, actually. Wow, we're more public than ever. It's getting crazy. Um, Yeah. So, so good job. So, thank you for leading the way. Can I ask you? Can I challenge you for a second? Yeah. Why did you think it was necessary to say that what you just said a second ago? This goes to the issue that I'm 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 poking at here a little bit. So, like necessary to say what? Like acknowledge you. Yeah, why, yeah, why did you think it was a good idea? Why did you think it was necessary to say congrats, grad, on being, not being a jerk in the moment, right? <laughs> like, and like, think about, think about why you wanted to say something nice to me a minute ago, which by the way, I very much appreciate. It was very nice. Mm-hmm. But I think that's part of the problem. Part of the problem is that it's not just normally accepted behavior. Part of the problem is that people have to get congratulated for not being uh, biased, so the so it I didn't congratulate you because um because I wanted something from you or I felt like oh not you know it's something you needed I congratulated you because um I like to do that I like to focus on the positives mm-hmm. I, I like firmly yeah. I firmly believe that it's not by focusing on the negatives that you get rid of them but it's like you focus on the positive and these little things have a much deeper impact than we think they do, you know? So yeah. you acknowledge, like, if you're aware in one situation, that also transposes now to other situations in your life, right? That this ability to be listening to that self. So you're actually experiencing life on two dimensions. You're hearing me and you're hearing yourself at any given point in time, which I think is really amazing. Not many people have that level of awareness. So uh, but to be fair, a, yeah, I go to therapy, and it certainly helps a lot. It's very interesting. My therapy story is an interesting one. So I met somebody on October of 2019, and we met and just you know, kind of had a drink. Didn't, it was just like, you know, famously, I didn't even walk her home or get her a tattoo, <laughs> which I, I would never lived down. It was terrible. But anyway, uh, very nice drink, mm-hmm. though. We had a really wonderful time. The evening passed very quickly, and... And we we started talking after that, and and then you know started you know planning to get together. And about two weeks later, we got together again, and we had a really interesting because I'd been reasonably honest with her about you know what I was going through and what my life was like, and she said I would um, I would love to date you, but only if you promise me that you'll start seeing a therapist. That was a condition mm. of dating. Mm. And you agreed to that? I agreed. Well, yeah, I said all right. I, because I really wanted to go out. Um, but, uh, but I also thought, I also thought she wasn't far off the beam on this one. I think she probably had something <laughs> That's there. That's interesting. <laughs> probably had something there, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. so I said, okie dokie. And, um, and I started uh, seeing a therapist. And it's been incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's even funnier, though, is um, this is Rachel, my girlfriend. Uh, what's even funnier is that after dating me for, I guess, about six months, Rachel decided that really she probably needed to be a therapist too. Yes, uh, so, therapy is so, good. So, so, so she's now doing her master's in therapy at Northwestern, and oh, she'll be practicing in about a year or so. Uh, That's so I thought funny. That was great. I'm, I'm helping build the profession with my own dysfunction. Like the first time she met you, she thought you needed therapy, and then she was like, after six months, I need to become a therapist myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one therapist is not enough for this guy. He needs he needs full time backup. Twenty four seven. Full time backup. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's funny. <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, funny because it's true. Um, but it's uh, but actually, and I I have actually talked about it um, more openly in my team, and I have noticed people being more open with me about it as well. And you know, in a lot of my sessions with my therapist, I'm not I'm not sitting on a couch. Obviously, we're we're on Zoom anyway, and and he and I both go for walks. I actually been going for walks for a long time and finally one of our sessions he said you know you're always on walks when we're talking and i'm like yeah and he said and they're great sessions and we have great talks and i and i said yeah and he said can i go for a walk too because i'm locked in this windowless room for 12 hours a day absolutely absolutely so we both walk and talk together now it's quite fun that's nice um but i'm not sitting there crying on the couch about you know my childhood or anything like that we're actually like dealing with real life issues and current mm-hmm. situations and i'm you know getting advice mm-hmm. and sort of sharing sort of things that happened during the week and things that went well and things that didn't go well and so it's quite a quite a robust process and sometimes it gets pretty deep and pretty personal and sometimes it doesn't but it's been really nice to have somebody who isn't part of my life. I don't have to worry mm-hmm. about anything that I say to him coming back to me in any weird way possible. And, and that's the freeing part of it. The freeing part of it is the utter confidentiality of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, that friend doesn't like one day become an enemy and then use it against you or, you know, sort of doesn't get into the grapevine or it, it, no one's recording it. Like it's all very, very confidential and very uh, one-on-one. And that, has created an interesting outlet where when issues crop up, I'll think, you know what, I'll, I'll chat about this on Friday. Mm-hmm. See what Dr. Fuller mm-hmm. thinks. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. yeah, no, I agree. But the way I see it, it's like now, I mean, I, I'm in no way, I'm not saying that people should not get therapy. I think it is a great way and definitely need to reframe it as, oh, I have a mental problem rather like I'm, like brushing my mind. I I want to, yeah, I've got a coach. I want to kind of like make sure that I don't get to the point where I need, you know, more intervention than that. Right, right. Uh, but at the same time, with everything so uncertain in the environment, I think there's a fundamental need to be anchored inside. And so how do people and, do that? And, and that is, it's simple, but it's not very easy because it's, you know, now I have this problem. I'm going to talk to this person. And what if you can't talk to him for three weeks straight? Right. So how do people do that? It's through techniques like breath work. Journaling is more powerful than you think, like especially helps with bringing the unconscious stuff outside. And also meditation, mm. like some of like some of my most powerful reflective sort of moments have been during and after meditation where hmm. I'm then able to actually see the situation in a very, very neutral point of view and also have like intuitive thoughts about how to, you know, tackle with situations. So I think fundamentally people don't have that in their life today, that that space of being self-reliant, okay? And as long as we, our feeling of, rela- you know, stability depends on something outside of us, it's always going to 
there's always going to be a component of feeling nervous about something or the other. Mm. How is this person going to feel? Am I going to have that job? Am I going to be accepted? What happens if this person goes or if I don't get access to that? And I think that's what this whole pandemic is forcing people to do is look inwards, like develop that strong sense of self-reliance. And whether you call it neuroscience or whether you call it therapy or whether you call it mental health, basically it's about going inwards and understanding that there is a part of you that dictates everything else that you've probably just ignored up to this point, right? Not not ever taken the time to look at yourself as a composite of physical, mental, emotional, spiritual sort of self. It's just one person. And I think that perspective, that that broadening in perspective is needed. And if the taboo is not in your mind, it's not outside. Hmm. You see that? Like, for example, you asked me, why did you have to do that? So I'm sure you have a notion about, like you said, it's a part of the problem where people need to be congratulated. So you had that opinion. But for me, I never thought about it that way till you mentioned it. So if it didn't think about it that way, if it wasn't an issue in my mind, I would talk about like, go on saying that. Do you see that? Like it, yeah. the concepts are in the mind, the concepts are in the mind and you can talk. And what a therapist or a friend does is they show you a mirror. Okay. They show you a mirror and the same process is possible if you just take the time to go inwards. And and so f- before the world can drop the taboo, I think you have to go inwards and look in and say, is mental health a taboo for yourself? Like, how do I perceive mental health? What's my personal opinion on this? And then yeah. there is the second step of going forward from there. And to be fair, there are a lot of obvious things that seem surprising to me. Like I'm still a little bit shaken that everyone had to be taught how to wash their hands at the beginning. I think I've said this before on the show, but I'm like, what? People weren't washing <laughs> their hands and I was shaking them. I will say one thing I am enjoying, this is a bit of an aside, but we're going to come back to this. And I think what I want to do now Neha is like, I want to talk a little bit about how this mental health stuff can sneak up on you. And let's let's mm. give everyone sort of an exercise to help sort of help you stay in front of it before it kind of becomes a problem. But this is the my favorite aside. So I am really enjoying the fact that people seem to understand that you may not want to shake hands anymore. <laughs> I've been in multiple situations in the last, because I hate shaking hands. I really? hate shaking hands. Oh my God. If you've ever been in a men's washroom and watch how guys uh, don't wash their hands, God. you would Jeez. never want to shake a hand ever again. Trust me. Okay. So I'm, um, so I am, I've been in probably four or five situations in the last week and a half where someone stretched their hand out to me and I didn't, I didn't move. <laughs> wow. And they're like, ah, oh, fist bump. And once or twice I did the fist bump and a couple of the times they're like, what are we doing these days? And I said, we're saying hello. <laughs> yeah, we're saying and hello. And it's okay, because if I did that a year mm. and a half ago, it'd be like, what a jerk. Mm. And now mm. everyone's like, okay, everyone's respecting boundaries in a new way that I've not seen ever before. I do think the Japanese figured this out a long time ago. The Japanese, the bowing, brilliant, 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 brilliant. I really Even, wish that I custom. Think it, 
I think across the eastern like even in India and like that we we this is our greeting like namaste. We like yeah, bring our true. plants yeah. together, you oh, know. Yeah. So the Indians and Japanese yeah. figured out. Everyone else not so much. Um, <laughs> but the uh but I, I am really enjoying not touching everyone's filthy fingers anymore. And I always carry Purell partly because oh, every time I shake a God. hand, I would always cover myself oh. in Purell afterwards, right? Really? So, but it's yeah. disgusting. Yeah. What are we doing? Like, yeah, people like, you know, I mean, I, my hands are clean, but I'm not touching yours. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's, and I yeah. will say that's, um, there is actually a, a, an etiquette rule that I've followed my whole life because women also often don't like shaking hands for two reasons. One is what I just said. Women are generally a lot cleaner than men. And number two, a lot of men like to crush hands when they shake, and, and it's really hard on some women's hands because they may be more crushable. Not all, but some. <laughs> crushable. Well, you know, just I like, like that word. Smaller yeah. hands, right? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, there is an etiquette rule that you don't extend your hand to a woman unless mm. she's extended her hand first. Okay? I've been following that rule my whole business life, and it's amazing. If I don't extend my hand, what happens is the woman will look at me and she'll be waiting and she sees I'm not doing it. And a look of relief washes over her face of, thank God, I don't have to shake this dirty ape's hand. (laughs) And and then we end up having a very good conversation and move on to do Mm. whatever we need to do, talk about business or whatever. And that to me is now, I think, extended to everybody. So I don't have to put my hand out anymore, but I do think that there does need to be an etiquette rule that somebody has to popularize, which I don't think you should be extending your hand unless the other person extends their hand. Mm-hmm. That's right? interesting. And yeah. I think if everyone stopped extending their hand, no one would extend their hand anymore and all be over. That'd be the end of the handshake. And that's my, potentially that might be my mission. I want to end the handshake. That'd Whoa. be great. Have like a yeah. handshake with a big X through it. And no no handshake. Yeah. I'd be like, like side, my, my side hustle, well, my, you, personal, you, my personal Grad, you know, if that's all you mission. wanted to do, you could have just yeah. done that instead of getting the unleashing the pandemic on us for I think we're gonna making st- hey, Mandy, it there. Mandy, we're going to start making no more handshake stickers. Like, well, Mandy's our producer. We're gonna, we're gonna, I think we should do that. So, um, so what do you think, Randy? Do you want to join the no handshake brigade? No handshake brigade. Yep, I'm in. I'm into the no handshake. You're sure. in? Okay, so Randy's in. Neha, you and in? I was always, like, I was uh, I was always, always for Excellent. in. Yes. Excellent. Okay, so we have, I've got my first two acolytes on this one. We're ready to start our, start our crusade. It's great. All right, let's do, uh, now yeah. let, me, let me switch gears a little bit to uh, mental health, um, of which after that last little... Uh, section many people may be questioning mine <laughs> and so um, but the thing about mental health and i'll speak again from personal experience although this is not going to sound insane in terms of other people's experiences is that it can often creep up on you you know you, you're often handling things and you're handling things and you're handling things and you're handling things and suddenly you're not handling things and it's that that moment where suddenly you break down or things just overwhelm or you just so there's a lot of work that can go into making sure that you can stay handling things. Uh, and this is, these are the kinds of exercises that you talk about, breathing, meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the things that can help you maintain some mental discipline or at least 
be more reflective of what's going on in your life and be able to get in front of it before it becomes a big problem. Because if, if you do have a complete breakdown, uh, it can be very hard to recover from. It, it can cause a lot of damage, just like just like in physically, if you don't, you know, exercise properly and then you break your Achilles tendon because you haven't been stretching, it takes a long time mm. to recover from that. You know, it's just, and you never really, it's never really the same. If you'd stretched properly and done the work to kind of keep your Achilles tendon in, in shape, you'd be okay. But now when you have a tendon break, it's like a multi-year recovery and there's pins involved, et cetera. So, so this mm. is the same thing on the brain. I think the brain needs stretching. Uh, the brain needs that limbering exercise to keep it uh, flexible and keep it ready to go. Yeah. Give it permission to get some downtime. So take yeah. us through something that you'd recommend. What would be a good stretching exercise for the brain? Yeah, there are many. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but I'm thinking since, because we're going to talk about mental health all, you know, four episodes of four episodes, if um, you've ever solicited any questions from the audience around this and, I'd love to we'll kind of that. get some input yeah. if some if you guys are listening and if you have any questions or whatever, any experiences you want to share, do write in. So you're right, like the brain is neuroplastic and definitely if you work it, it's going to be strong. There is this saying that says, I don't know if you've heard it before, that a strong mind can carry a weak body, mm. but a weak mind cannot carry a strong oh, body. I love that. Yeah. That's so great. a strong mind can carry a weak body. So if you're mentally strong, um, no matter what situation in life, you can sail through it. And so it's very important. And I am telling you, that's why it sounds interesting, breath yogi, but breath is like, I, I want to dumb it down, keep it simple Breath is a tool that's very, very accessible. It's going to help you be mentally stronger. Uh, and now research, research is catching up. Now they have instruments to study it, which they did not have before. So I do what, what works for me is my daily breathwork exercises, my daily meditation practice, and I do reflection. I reflect like I spend quality time reflecting on the day and what happened and stuff like that. So... Why don't we try a breathing tool? And if for people who are listening, if you're really serious about becoming mentally stronger, take about five to 10 minutes a day to incorporate some sort of breath work in your day. And Again. that will really help, you know, it's scientifically speaking, stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, and also energizes the brain. The brain is the most metabolically active organ of the body. And really? I didn't know that. It's the most metabolically active organ in the body. And that wow. is why when you're stressed, the brain sort of, you know, your decision-making capabilities really suffer. So when you do breath work, you are also feeding the brain in the sense you're oxygenating it, right? More energy in every cell of your body. So... Let's do something called, I don't know if you've heard of this, humming breath. Humming breath? No, I don't think I know the humming breath. And by the way, is it my imagination? I'm prepared to accept that I may be going crazy here, but is there a dog barking in the background at your place? Or is that just, is that in my brain? I think there is, like somewhere <laughs> outside. like in, in, Someone like, outside? So, okay. Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah okay, so I'm not going is. crazy. Yeah? Okay. 
Uh, okay. Good. I thought, right. I, no, no, you're not going. But it's not. But it's not inside your house. That's someone. Is no, a neighbor. I, yeah, wow. some like wow. I, both my neighbors have a, have really cute dogs. But the one on you know my right, her dog is more loud than the other dog. But yes. It's well, funny. Let your let your neighbor know that their dog made our podcast. <laughs> Isn't your dog there with you too? Well, my dog's sleeping comfortably on the floor and being a very good dog right now. Hester's oh. been very well behaved for the last half hour, so that's um, good. she's good. Okay. Okay. Um, so we're okay, gonna great. do the So let's do the humming breath. I'm ready to go. We're gonna do the humming breath and the humming breath. So we're going to breathe in through the nose, and as we breathe out through the nose, we'll make the humming sound. And you know how sound is a vibration right? And every vibration has an impact on our nervous system. The humming sound has been found to have a very, very soothing uh, effect. In fact, it's also been shown that um, it increases the gray matter density. So basically, really? even helps with neurogenesis, new gray matter cells. So it's very simple. Let's sit Easily and comfortably sit up nice and tall with your spine straight, palms resting on your thighs, open to the ceiling. You can let the teeth gently touch. Keep your attention in the head region. And let's take a normal transition breath in. Let it go. And for the humming breath through the nose, breathe in. And hum it out. We'll do five more rounds and just keep your attention inwards, breathe in. Relax. Continue to sit with your eyes closed. Bring your attention inwards. And just notice the impact of the breathing on the body and the mind. Notice may, maybe there's this gentle buzzing in the head almost percolating down through your neck into your arms. Mm. 
Notice the mind may be feeling a little refreshed. And take a deep breath in. Then as you breathe out, relax and you can gently open the eyes. Wow, that's crazy. I've never done that before. That's amazing. <laughs> Just five breaths. Yeah. That was awesome. It's very refreshing. and It's very refreshing. You can do that in a couple of minutes. That's something else. Wow, Neha. Wow, you really are the breath yogi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love I love your wow. that's response. Awesome. That's awesome. Okay, that's great. Well that's and that so you find when do you use that in your life? What when do you use the humming breath? What situations do you find yourself in where you think to yourself, time for some humming breath here? So first of all, if like when I'm in private <laughs> Like, I can't start doing this that. in the middle of <laughs> yeah. a meeting. Like, mm, wait. Yeah, keep your cane in an airport. You can pull it off in an airport. I think yeah, keep people away from you. Yeah, in an airport you Yeah. keep your seat private. Like, you wouldn't have yeah. to worry about other people sitting next to you. It'd be good. Yeah. Just sit on and, a plane doing that. Yeah, I like, I do it when I feel very tired and so tired that I can't do that coffee breath. And mm. also when I feel angry, it really, like, if you ever You get feeling, angry? You know, sometimes when that feeling of helplessness and you just need more patience, like this is a breath that can put you in the Zen mood if you're, you know, losing patience a little bit. So that's when I tend to use it. So if I'm in a retail store and I'm serving you and you suddenly just slip into humming breath for a couple of minutes, I know I've made some <laughs> kind of terrible mistake and you're just trying to keep like, yourself calm without ripping my head off. I like it. <laughs> It's like a signal. It's a, I mean, next, next episode, I'm going to talk, talk to you about something that a couples can do, you know, before saying something when they're like, instead of saying something oh, nice. like a technique where there'll be like, like it's a signal between the two that dude, like calm down, better not say anything to me right now. And, uh, it's funny. We, we make fun of, uh, you know, when I was going through my teacher training that, if two people are in the same teacher training, that's what they do when they're about to have a fight or they're disagreeing with each other. Do you think it could have saved Bill and Melinda Gates? Well, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I couldn't. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know. that was amazing. That was amazing. And it was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. So uh, I'm going to sign out now. Do you have anything, any last words or thoughts? Yeah, I, I just want to say it's okay to not be okay sometimes. Hmm. It's a part of life. Like heads and tails come together with a coin. Feeling low, depressed, sad is a part of life. It's, uh, it's okay to feel that way sometimes. But as long as you have some tools and, you know, you just start every day as a fresh day. So that's what, well that's what I want to leave them with. Then... Hopefully next time we'll get a little bit deeper into more strategies. All right. Good. Well, my, my free therapy session for the week is now <laughs> over. Thank you very much, Neha. That's wonderful. <laughs> Thank um, you, Jagad. So, so for the CXM experience, uh, this has been Neha, the breath yogi, and I am GradCon CXO at Sprinkler, and we'll both see you next time.